there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Now, this Christmas day is a bit different because I, I just want, I feel like I need to still preach on the presence of God because I, I, I want to finish this series, at, at least what I wanted to finish, but there is a lot that we can still talk about, the presence of God. And if God gives me time, maybe I will do another part of it. But I feel I just need to finish um, this series because from, from, from 31st, we will start on another direction. Amen. But you see, the presence of God is Christmas. Yeah, It's Christmas. God being with us. Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 1. I show you something here. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. By the way, I've started preaching. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Tell your neighbor, that's shocking. I mean, Joseph saw this nice girl, village girl, naive girl, decided that this is the one I want to marry. And as they were preparing for their wedding, as they were going through before you say, I do class, Mary said, I am pregnant. Hey, will the class continue? Hmm? Talk to me, somebody. Will the class continue? Now, ladies, let me ask you, if you were in love with someone, a man, and then the man tells you he's pregnant, will, will, will you continue with the relationship? Huh? If men were able to get pregnant, ladies, will you continue with the relationship? It will become very difficult, you know, because you're wondering who is responsible of, for, 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 for this pregnancy. And, and that is the dilemma that Joseph was in, because Joseph was also a, a righteous man. And uh, he was a bit confused. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, now go to verse 19. Um, then Joseph, her husband, you know, it's like the Bible is like the Bible wants to see that God had decided that Joseph was going to marry this girl. Yeah, and already God is calling Joseph her husband. That is how determined God was. You know, that this man must marry, you know, this lady. You know, I was thinking about that, and I realized sometimes, you know, when, when God decides that something shall happen, no matter what you try to do, it will, it, it will not change. It will not change. Hallelujah. That's why I always tell, I always tell people, if, 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 this, if this woman is yours, nobody can take her away from you. And if this man is yours, nobody can take this man away from you. If, if he's taken away, then it was never meant to be. You understand what I'm saying? Because what was never meant to be, even if you use super glue, to try and stick it together, you know, it, it, it will never happen. So, so God was determined, you know, from the word God that Joseph must marry who? Mary. And so he said, Joseph, I want you to know that you are the husband. So the Bible says now Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, not wanting to embarrass her, was minded to put her away secretly. He was breaking the relationship secretly. The way some brothers break relationships secretly, isn't it? 
We send them SMSs, they don't respond. When you meet, they say, I didn't see it. Yeah? No, they say, I didn't see it. Then they say, let me check. Oh, I saw something like it. You know? So they, 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 they are breaking the relationship secretly. Isn't it? The problem is some of you ladies don't even see the signs. I mean, the guy is walking away from you and you can't even say it. You are clutching on the straws. But there are all these red flags, you know, trying to give you hints that the man is not even interested with you. He forgets your birthdays. My Lord and my God, the church is quiet. He doesn't call you. You're the only one calling this person. You know? And when you meet, he says, I was busy. You know? If you're too busy for me, then you're very busy. I think I'm helping somebody here. Yeah. And, and, and you can see the red flags. That somebody is leaving you secretly. Because they don't want to tell you I'm leaving you. Because they know you crash. So they say, let me, let me, let me send hints. But the problem is you're not even seeing them. You are drunk with love. That you can't even see the hint. Please lay hands on your neighbor and open their eyes right now. Speak in tongues. I say, I open your eyes in the name of Jesus. Hey. I mean, you are dating with someone. He moves. He, 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 he travels and he goes to another country. And he does not communicate with you. In this day and age, no SMS, no WhatsApp, no nothing. You are the one reaching out to the person all the time. And the person is telling you, I'm working on papers. Which papers? Lay your hands on your neighbor again. Say, Father, I open his eyes to see red flags. See red flags in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so Joseph wanted to live secretly. Hey. Because Joseph was a righteous man. And he didn't want to embarrass this naive village girl by the name Mary. Because she was a virgin. She's never been to any relationship. She's never loved any man. You know? She doesn't know what love is. She doesn't know what this thing called marriage is. You know? And let me tell you, we, 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 have, we have true virgins in the world today. Yeah. But, but some of you, you are not. You have done things, I'm telling you. Hey, the church is very quiet. I think I should go home. Should I preach or should I? Eh? Mary was naive, virgin. So Joseph thought, ah, I, should, I should not hurt this young girl. Then look at verse 20. Because God was determined that, husband, that the husband to Mary is Joseph. But while he thought about these things, Joseph is thinking, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary. In fact, look at what the angel said. Mary, your wife. Not even fiance. Your wife. That means God is determined that this relationship must work. Hey, for that which is conceived in her 
fact, God is very clear that she's, she's, she's actually pregnant. But that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, that one also makes the relationship very complicated. God, you're telling me to stay with this woman. And then you are saying that you are the one who has made her pregnant. Very complicated. You understand? But you see, God, God's wisdom is beyond our wisdom. You understand? The Bible says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Paul even says that the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. And so you can see that there is a very big gap between the wisdom of man and the foolishness of God. Paul also says that God has chosen the foolish things of this world to ashamed the things that are wise or strong. So, he tells him, look, I am responsible. You are the husband. She is your wife. And the kind of thoughts you have, please, flush them out of your head and take this woman and become a husband and become a father to the baby that you have not, you have not sired. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful? I say, isn't that powerful? Look, some of you men, you need to be like Joseph. You need to become a father of a child you have not sired. Become a wonderful surrogate father to that boy or to that daughter because the biological father is not there. You understand? Yes, you have to be there. Yesterday I was watching another very sad story of a lady who went through a very painful marriage. It was very painful. I mean, I was listening to that story and I was so amazed. And the person that took this lady through hell was a pastor. I said, oh Lord, have mercy. Was a pastor. Took this lady, a naive girl, because he saw her singing. <laughs> he saw her singing and he went to her with a prophetic word. You're my wife. Now, if a man of God comes to you with a prophetic word, you're finished. How can you say no when the Lord has said yes? <laughs> Took her through hell. And finally, when she divorced, one month later, the pastor was married to another woman. Say, wow. And the church was celebrating the wedding. Anyway, moving on swiftly. And she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name. Even the name is given. You cannot name him after your auntie or your uncle or your grandfather. The name has already been given, Joseph. You shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Even his assignment, he said already. Even before he is born. Oh, Jesus. He came into this world in a very powerful way. Verse 22. Are you still with me? Or I lost you somewhere? Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, verse 23, behold the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name, shout the name, shout the name, which is translated 
God with us. What is that? That is the presence of God. Emmanuel simply means God with us. And so as we talk about the presence of God, I want you to know that it ties very well with Christmas. That we are celebrating the presence of God with us. We are celebrating Jesus coming on the face of the earth and walking with us. And remember, as we are talking about the presence of God, we desire the manifest, tangible presence of God with us so that we can feel God at all times. We can experience Emmanuel at all times. You know, when I was thinking about this story, I just said, oh God, if, if, if it was possible, I wish you allowed me to live when Jesus was, was here on earth. I think I could have been one of his disciples. Can you imagine being among the 12 disciples of Jesus? Which one will you choose? Judas. Huh? Which one will you choose? Some of you will choose Peter, isn't it? Some John. Because John was lying at the bosom. Hmm? Just wanted to lie at the bosom. You know, John was a lovey-lovey guy. Touchy-touchy guy. You know, there are people who are touchy-touchy. When they talk to you, they have to move close. Hey, hey, sasa, mambo. You know, that, that was John. Pastor Zephyr, are you okay? Somebody touching you. At home, okay. Some of you, the only person touching you is Jesus, isn't it? Stay like that. He will bring somebody else who will touch you, isn't it? So it could have been wonderful. Can you imagine being with Jesus? Real Jesus. Of course he's real, but you know what I'm talking about. In the flesh, you see him, you can touch him. He's walking with you, he's talking to you. He's performing miracles and you can see them. It's a wonderful experience, isn't it? So, so the presence of God allows us to experience what the disciples experienced when they walked with Jesus, when they heard him preach, when they saw him performing miracles. The presence of God accords us the same privilege. Emmanuel, God with us, is the same experience that the disciples had when they were around Jesus. And so today, allow me to talk to you about the catalysts of God's presence. I started last Sunday, but I could not be able to finish. But I want to pick it up from where I left last Sunday. Of course, we talked about three dimensions of God's presence. Number one, omnipresent dimension, which is God is everywhere. Then number two is the indwelling presence, which means God dwells in us to produce the fruit of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit. And then the tangible manifest presence where he's so real. You feel him like what Moses experienced, like what Jacob experienced, like what Abraham experienced um, through the theophany, like what the disciples experienced in Acts chapter 2 when they were in the upper room, like what Peter, James, and John experienced in Matthew chapter 17, where the Bible says that God's, uh, Jesus' face shone as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. So this is the dimension of God's presence that we want to experience. So what catalyzes this dimension of God's presence? Number one is music. Somebody say music. Now music is not just a combination of notes that produce a sweet melodious harmony. It is not just a symphonic composition or a collection of vocal and musical instruments producing a beat that makes your head or your feet move. 
Music carries an invisible force that impacts our minds, our bodies, our emotions, and even our spirit. Many research papers have been done on the effects of music on plants, and the findings have been interesting. That the right kind of music aided plants to grow quickly and look healthier. The sound waves produced vibrations which increased movement in the plant cells. These movements stimulated the plants to produce more nutrients. At a dog kennel, researchers found that classical music reduced anxiety in the dogs. It helped them sleep more and back less. But heavy metal, on the other hand, made the dogs back more, sleep less, and shake violently. Now, if music has this significant effect on plants and animals, then it also has a significant impact on human beings because human beings have intelligence. That's why you see that there is music everywhere. When you board a matatu, they play music for you, isn't it? Come on, talk to me. When you go to a restaurant, they play music, isn't it? When you go to visit somebody, they also play music in the background. Isn't it true? When somebody visits you, you want to play music in the background so your, your, your visitor can relax. Huh? Isn't it true? You put some nice jazz music. I don't think you put very loud pook, 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 pook music. You, you want your visitor to relax and enjoy the ambience uh, of your house. Oh, you don't have a jukebox. Father, I pray that you bless my members with home theater, with surround kind of music, where speakers have been strategically placed in the living room so that when visitors come, they enjoy the ambience. Can somebody say amen? amen. Hallelujah. It will happen in Jesus' name. When you go to a six-star hotel or seven-star hotel, they even play music to the toilet. When you go to the toilet, there's music because they know that place is not easy for some people. So they play nice music. So as you go there, whatever you're doing there, you're just relaxing. You don't even realize what you're doing there because the music is calming you, isn't it? Hey, this church is very quiet this morning. Am, 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 I, am I saying the truth? So, so music has, has, has something. Has something with it. That's why when you listen to uh, romantic music, you, you, you feel in a, in a certain way. Isn't it? You, you feel like your emotions are being stirred up. Hallelujah. Amen. When, they, when this guy is talking about his girl, how he's missing his girl, you know, how he's gone for days without seeing his girl, you know, and so you, as you're listening, you either, you know, put yourself in the shoes of the guy or you put yourself in the shoes of the lady. This church is very quiet. Yeah? And the music begins to work on you. And some people, because the lyrics are very powerful, you even take a pen and a paper. And you start writing the lyrics. And you say, this one, the one I fall in love with, these are the pickup lines I'm going to use, you know, on that person. That's why you find that, you know, you see a brother or a sister, 
who just look spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. When they fall in love, you see some things you never thought that person can ever do. It's because the person went to do homework. Went and listened to some romantic... But those people are not in this church today. Are they here? They travel for Christmas. The ones who are here are only singing gospel songs. But your eyes are betraying you. Anyway, music is powerful. Look at them and tell them music is very powerful. So, 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 gospel music carries an invisible force. And that invisible force is the presence of God. That invisible force is the conduit of God's raw presence. Now, I have read certain books about music and I've realized that there are guys who are involved in crime, who are involved in murder, who are involved in um, perversion. And some of them trace their inclinations to the music that they listen to. You know, they listen to music that was talking about crime, talking about violence, talking about guns, talking about killing people, and they ended up doing exactly what they were listening to, listening to in those songs. So music carries an invisible force. So when you listen to gospel music, anointed gospel music, I'm telling you, it carries the presence of God. It will, it will bring the presence of God in your house. That's why if you're a serious believer, you should invest in a nice Bluetooth speaker. Hallelujah. Be, because your phone is very ni- it's not very nice. Your phone is a kabambe. And sometimes when you play music through your phone, you don't know if it is, it is the singer, if it is your speaker that is rattling, or if it's the music. You, you cannot tell the difference. So you need to invest in a nice Bluetooth speaker, nice home theater. So when you put, uh, when you put some nice gospel anointed music, you know, it, it, it changes the atmosphere in your house. Talk to me, somebody. Oh, yes, you, you have to look at your neighbor and tell them you have to invest in something good that produces good sound. Oh, yes, because music is powerful. It's very, very powerful. That's why you see I'm also very particular about sound in this church. Because I know that if the music is nice and the sound is nice, the atmosphere changes. You understand what I'm talking about? One of the reasons why I invited Apostle Moses to come with his team is because I wanted to shift the atmosphere. Yeah, through music, shift the atmosphere. There is something about musical instruments. When they are played right and played under the anointing, the presence of God comes down. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why you have to guard the kind of music that you listen to. Because music has power. It has an invisible force that is able to actually alter your life. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So, select the people you listen to. Hallelujah. You know, if, if you listen to harmonize, yeah, and you listen to diamond, it's like, I'm speaking Greek in this. Ask your neighbor, you don't know those people. <laughs> Harry, you're not talking to your neighbor. Ask your neighbor, you don't know those people. listen to this secular whatever music somebody is talking whatever and you listen to vulgar language from the music you know vulgar words talking about you see most of these 
I've realized most of the secular songs that we have, they, 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 have, they have a goal. Yes. And, and, and they, they, will, they will look like they are talking about trees, they are talking about uh, mountains, they are talking about rivers. But when you look deep inside, you know, the lyrics and the, the message, you realize it is not the mountain that you are thinking about. And it's not the river that you are thinking about. I wish I had a witness in this house. It's like, it's like I'm just preaching to myself. Am I preaching to people in this house? I mean, it, it, is a, it has a hidden meaning. Yeah, and when you listen to it, you realize, ah, uh -uh, they're not talking about Mount Everest. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they are driving you towards a particular goal. Towards a particular goal. And that can also affect you. And that's why you have to be careful what, you know, you listen to. Praise the Lord. One day, I used to be a teen's pastor. And there was this young girl who came to see me in the office. And she told me, Pastor, I'm lonely. <laughs> if a 16-year-old tells you she's lonely, you'll get surprised, isn't it? Anyway, she told me I'm lonely. So I asked her, why are you lonely? She said, I'm very lonely because when I listen to love songs, I don't find any boy who can match what I'm listening to. I say, wow. The way they talk in the song is not the way these boys are talking. <laughs> anyway, I gave a counsel to realize that some of the guys who are even singing those songs don't even have good relationships. Yeah? They have so many problems. Some of them have been in multiple relationships, multiple marriages, but they know what to say to make you think that they are experts on love, but they are not. The only expert I know of love is God. You understand what I'm talking about? Because some of these songs you listen to and you're even writing the lyrics, go and study the person who wrote and is singing the song. You'll be surprised. They have been married ten times. And you are wishing you can have somebody like him. Look at him and tell them, what kind of wish is that? So, be careful the kind of music you listen to. If you want the presence of God, you have to listen to anointed gospel music. Hallelujah. Listen to anointed gospel music. Pastor Dennis has produced songs. Listen to those songs. There is power. Wonder what. As you listen to the song, the power of God comes. In your room, in your house. Why are you quiet, you people? Harmonized people and diamond people. Why are you quiet? When you listen to such, or you think Pastor Dennis is not anointed. He is. He's singing the word of God. He's declaring power in the name of Jesus. And you just, look, those are the songs that can even bring healing in your body. Not do me, 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 do me can never bring healing in your body. Please mention those songs. You know them. Nyasembo. Nyasembo can never bring healing in your body. 
Which other song? Huh? What? What? Vida. Vida. What is Vida? It can never bring healing. But songs that are inspired by the scriptures, those are the songs that shift the atmosphere in your room. If there was tension in your room, it disappears. If there were demons in your house, they disappear. If there were challenges in your house, they disappear because the presence of God has come into your house. Hallelujah. Make your car a sanctuary where you listen to gospel anointed music. Make your house a sanctuary where you listen to gospel anointed music. Can I hear louder? Amen. I'm not getting the support I thought I'll get as I preach about music. Can I get a louder amen in this house? Oh, yes. Look at 2 Chronicles. Vida. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 11. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. Verse 12. And the Levites who were the singers. Levites were. And all those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun with their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen, having cymbals. These are musical instruments. Stringed instruments and harps. And with them, 120 priests sounding with trumpets. This was a serious orchestra. And indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. The singers who are here singing. And the band is on this other side. They were? Shout it again. They were? Yeah, you know, in many churches, the singers and the, and the band, they are not one. They are rivals. They are fighting. Sometimes they even fight on stage. And you can see they are fighting. Yeah, the keyboardist is fighting with the worship leader. Mercy. <laughs> the drummer is fighting with the keyboardist. And then the band decides we are going to frustrate the worship team. Huh? They make it hard. <laughs> Where is the band? They have already taken off. They make it hard for the singers. And when they make it hard for the singers, the presence of God can never come down. It can never come down. Yeah, it can never come down. Even the keyboard is well, how he's playing is very important. You're supposed to look like you're also in, in, in it. You know, you can like it's like you, you guys do your thing and, 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 and go. Yeah. You you only give us your fingers, but you don't give us your heart, your mind, your soul. You just give us your fingers. Let the fingers do the walking. But your heart is not in it. They were as one. The singers, the trumpeters. These are, these are musicians. And the singers were united together. To make five sounds. Huh? To make 20 sounds. To make 30 sounds. They were making, Pastor Zef, one sound. 
They were gelling with each other. They were connected to each other. They were interconnected in the spirit. And they produced one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. What is that? It's the presence of God. The presence of God came down because the musicians played music so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Look at what can happen every Sunday. If the musicians can play under the anointing. Look at what can happen if the singers can sing under the anointing and they're united. Look at what we can experience every Sunday. We can experience the glory every Sunday. I don't know if you're like me. I want the glory every Sunday. I want the glory every time I come to the house of God. I want to feel the presence of God every time I show up in his presence. That is why I came anyway. That's what brought me from my house. But if we come and the people on stage are fighting. People on stage are frustrating each other. People on stage are not united. You feel like telling them, sit down. Let's get people who can bring down the glory. Who can bring down the presence of God. Who can play on that instrument and the glory of God comes down. So, so I, I pray that the band can be serious. I pray that the worship team can be serious and realize that every time we come, look, I, I, I'm on Kiungani Road going through the bombs because I know I'm coming to experience the glory of God. I'm not coming to see people fighting on stage. No! I'm not coming to see people frustrating each other on stage. I'm coming so that I may feel the glory when they raise their voices, the instruments, the drums, the keyboard, the guitar, the bass, and all these musical instruments. When they raise them up and the singers grab the microphones and they are singing and they produce one sound, the glory of God comes down. That's what I came for. So music pulls down. The presence of God. Number two, another catalyst of God's presence is praise and worship. Now, everybody naturally wants to be where they are loved. True or not true? You want to be in a place where you feel you're loved. That's why sometimes when you go somewhere and you feel like people don't like you, you feel uncomfortable. It's like everybody was happy. They were talking. They were giving each other high five. Hey, hey. Then when you arrive, everybody was quiet. You feel funny. You feel like you have interrupted something that was flowing. You understand? Everybody wants to be in a place where they are loved. Everybody wants to be in a place where they are appreciated. Everybody wants to be in a place where they are adored. Isn't it true? A marriage is sweet because somebody adores you. Hmm? They're not living with you to help you. <laughs> Some men tell the women, come and sing a choir. You didn't marry me to help me. You married me because you adore me. And the more you adore me, the more I feel I need to stay in this relationship. 
the moment the adoration drops, I start feeling like I should leave. Everybody wants to be where they are loved. No matter how hard their faces are. Because <laughs> their people don't show emotions. Look at your neighbor. Do you see emotions on their face? Some of them, their faces are like a rock. On Christ, a solid rock I stand. Their, their, their faces are harder than Christ the rock. Solid rock. But everybody wants to be in a place where they are loved. Where they are appreciated. You understand what I'm saying? And it doesn't matter at what level you are in. As a father, you also want to be appreciated in the home. You want your children to appreciate you. As children, you want, you know, your parents to appreciate you. As a child, rather, you want your parents to appreciate you. Everybody wants to be appreciated and to be loved. And when you find an environment where there is love and you are adored, you tend to stay there. It's the same with our God. Our God is addicted to love. Worship is the language of love. Praise is the language of love. Where praise and worship is, God is attracted to that place. You see, praise and worship is declaring the goodness and the greatness of our God. Praise and worship is also exalting, adoring, and loving God in a lavish way. You are extravagant with your love towards God. And when God senses that you love him passionately, he will come where you are. He will visit you where you are because God loves to be praised. You see, God has demonstrated himself as a man. He's a man of war. It's called he. He's a man of God. He's a man, he's a man of war. God, he. He's a man of war. So that means he loves praise. All men here are addicted to praise. You praise your husband and see what he will do. You want that fridge to be moved. Tell him, oh my dear, you are stronger than Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the guy looks like a mosquito. You say, my goodness, look at those muscles. Oh my God. You will see your husband grabbing the fridge. Yeah? It's almost breaking his back. But because of what you have said, he will move it where it's supposed to be moved. After that, he will go and lock himself in a room somewhere and lick his wounds. But he has already moved the fridge anyway. Praise has something attached to it. It massages God. And when you praise God, he's attracted to your life. Amen? You know, you know sometimes I look at the church in general. And what amazes me is, during praise and worship, people are docile. People are dull. I'm not really passionate. I'm not really excited about praise and worship. Let's dance for the Lord. Shout to the Lord. And you can see, the, it's like the worship is really pushing them. You know, he has to coerce them. You know, he has to say so many things to bring them into the mood of praise and worship. But if you just switch, as a worship leader, if you just switch and say, now I want us to deal with marine spirits. Mermaid spirits. Intercontinental demons. That are after your star. <laughs> Or after your success. Those believers that were docile, lethargic, 
dull, not passionate. All of a sudden, they come alive. They come alive. And you tell them, now begin to terminate them. They will terminate. Capsize their, go their boat. They will capsize it. Sink the ship of mermaid spirits. They will sink it. Send it back to the center. They will send it. So they are more passionate when it comes to dealing with the devil more than they are when it comes to loving God. I think our passion for God should be greater than our hatred for the devil. I think that's a very powerful statement right there. We should be more passionate about God. Radical when it comes to praise and worship. Because we know that as we are praising him, his presence is coming to us. Amen. Psalms chapter 22 and verse 3. I'm going to read it from the KJV. It says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. You are holy, enthroned. New King James uses the word enthroned. KJV uses the word inhabits. To inhabit simply means you are staying there. You occupy a place. You settle there. You make that place your residence or your habitat. So when we raise our praise to God, God comes and he settles in our lives. He makes our lives his place of residence. We begin to feel his presence and his glory all around us. When we praise him, we invite him. And when he comes, he doesn't leave. He stays as long as the praise is going. He stays as long as the worship is sustained. He stays as long as you are demonstrating love and adoration to him. The moment you stop living a life of praise and worship, then God says, it's my cue to leave. Are we together? Because his presence makes him come to sit in our lives because he loves to be loved. Even God wants to be loved. He wants you to tell him, I love you. You're my everything. You're my life. This is the air I breathe. You're mighty. You're glorious. You're wonderful. You're amazing. Amazing God. Oh, you're wonderful. You're great and greatly to be praised. Lily of the valley. Bright morning star, everlasting father, the great I am, the rose of Sharon, the mighty God, wonderful counselor, alpha and omega. He loves those words and the more you talk about that, the more he draws closer to you and you begin to feel his presence in your life. Hallelujah. That's why you must be a worshiper 24-7. Carry the presence of God. You're driving to work. And you're using a matatu. And the matatu plays secular music. Invest in some nice earphones. I'm teaching you very powerful things. How you can be able to have the presence of God with you. Invest in very nice earphones. The ones that can even cancel the noise in your environment. You put them in. And you play some nice worship songs. By the time you are getting to your office, you are so anointed. You are carrying God with you. And I hear an Amen. Yeah. If it is possible, you can even buy shades so that you don't watch the funny movies in the Matatu. 
and put your shades and close your eyes and be in the presence of God. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's expensive, but it is worth it. They didn't hear you. Tell them again. It's expensive, but it's worth it. Acts chapter 16. Because look, you've gone to the office, you've listened to secular music, you've listened to classic um, 105, they have talked about nasty things. You have patanishwad. <laughs> Very crazy things. By the time you get to the office, you are so depressed. You are even mad. You are thinking of how wicked the world is. How can somebody do this? They have even spoiled your day. You even start talking like unbelievers. Now, where is God? Where is God? Is God, is God seeing this that I'm hearing? God is there. Yeah, God is there. And his presence can show up in your life if you do the right thing. Can I hear an amen? Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 23. Give me the scripture quickly. i show you something. And when they had laid many stripes on them, who is this? Paul and Silas. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Verse 24. Having received such a church, he put them into the inner prison to make sure that they do not escape and fasten their feet in the stocks. Verse 25. But at midnight, whew, glory to God, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Look, they were singing specific songs that are praising God. They were not singing, I am under pressure. Under pressure, under pressure. I am under pressure. I am oppressed. The world has come to an end. They were not singing such songs. Do you understand what I'm talking about? They were singing hymns to God. They were praising God. They were worshiping God. Remember, they are bleeding. They are in pain. They are in prison for something that they have not done. Falsely being accused. Because they just removed the demon from Adam's cell. And the prisoners were listening to them. So everybody was quiet. And they were listening to this beautiful worship. And praise that was coming from this specific, uh, specific cell that was housing Paul and Silas. Then what happened in verse 26? And suddenly, the one they were praising showed up. Are you seeing how powerful praise and worship is? Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. What was happening? The presence of God came to the prison and started shaking the prison. Because the presence of God sometimes when it comes, it, it, it is not a small thing. Yeah, it's not a small thing. When God sometimes he comes, he, wa he wants to announce his arrival. And that's why he announces his arrival. He shakes a few things around you. And he's shaking this prison you can hear all these chains falling off and the doors are opening. Prison cells are opening. The doors, these gates are opening. Hey, it was a very scary event. And then what happened? Verse 27. Even the chains that were on their feet and on their hands were loose. And the keeper of the prison awakened from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, 
supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he knew that he was going to be killed anyway. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. The doors are open but we have not left. We are here. Then he called for a light, ran in and this is what I want you to see. And he fell down trembling. Do you know why he was trembling? He was trembling because he could feel the presence of God. He could feel that God was in this prison. That's why he was trembling. He fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Verse 30. Then the convicting power kicked in because of the presence of God. And he brought them out and said, Silas, what must I do to be saved? You see, when the presence of God is there, sinners are convicted. Oh, you're not talking to me today. Yes, the, 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 the prison became a church service because of the presence of God. And this guy who had not been saved, who didn't believe in God, all of a sudden he was convicted by the Holy Spirit because of the presence of God. And he said, what shall I do that I may be saved? So they say to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Read the entire story. They even went to his house. And the people in his house got saved simply because of the presence of God. I want to challenge you to take present worship seriously. Present worship is not time to wait for the preacher. Present worship is a very important component in our lives that downloads the presence of God in us. Amen. Look at everybody and tell them, be serious with present worship. Number three, another catalyst of the presence of God is consecration. Consecration. Consecration is the separation of oneself from that which contaminates. Because temptation is all over the place. Temptation is the avenue of defilement. You cannot be defiled without yielding to temptation. So, temptation is all around us. And so, when you yield to that temptation that has confronted you, then you become defiled. Now, temptation comes to us through two ways. Number one, temptation comes to us when we toy around with it. You know you can play around with temptation. You can play with fire. Let me see how hot it is. Then you are touching. Ah, it's not very hot. Then you touch again. Ah, it's not very hot. When you toy around with temptation, it will swallow you. Sometimes you can go to environments that take advantage of your weakness because everybody here has his own weakness. There are some people, their weakness is money. There are some people, their weakness is women. There are people, their weakness is men. Hey, the church is quiet today. What a Christmas message. There are people, their weakness is power. When you give them power, you see their true colors. They change and you see their true colors. So you can take yourself to environments that take advantage of your weakness. You can go to places that could revive your old passions, inclinations, and proclivities. Because all of us, we are coming from somewhere. There's somebody here who was delivered from drugs. There's somebody here who was delivered from lying. There's somebody here who was delivered from violence. You used to fight a lot. You just wanted to fight. I don't want peace. I want trouble. 
<laughs> you were delivered from trouble. Yeah, all of us have a place we are coming from. Look at the neighbor and tell them you have a serious past. Yeah, and it is a real past. Are you, are you, are you, are you getting what I'm talking about? Yes. Now, you can go back to those places and find that you are actually taking yourself to something that you came out of. Hmm? Some of us were delivered from drinking alcohol. But you can decide that you'll be going to the bar, but you drink. <laughs> My friend, you are trying to send yourself to something that you came out of. And if you continue doing that, it will swallow you up. You understand what I'm saying? Are we together? Genesis chapter 13. Let me show you a scriptural support for this. Genesis chapter 13 from verse 8. It talks about Lot. Lot is separating with Abraham because they could not agree. And so Abraham said to Lord, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen for we are brethren. We are related. Lord, I have raised you. Because Abraham was the surrogate father to Lot because the father of Lot died. And so Abraham took him in and he raised him. And because of Abraham, the guy was so blessed that he even had servants. And now the servants were fighting. And so Abraham said, okay, I think it's time to separate. Then verse 9. It's not the whole land before you, please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. He even gives him a choice. But Lord is a stupid guy. Because he doesn't realize that Abraham was his father. He could have let Abraham have the, the side that he wanted. And then him, he takes the opposite side. But he was a foolish boy. Because you might tell them, don't be a foolish. If he's a man, you say boy. If he's a woman, you say girl. Okay. Finish the statement. Tell, tell, your, tell your neighbor, don't be. And, and Lot lifted, look at this foolish boy. And Lot lifted his eyes. And then he saw all the plain of Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So already we are seeing a problem. He sees a place that is beautiful, but is close to a wicked city. Talk to me, somebody. But he was attracted to the beauty of the place. It was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zohar. Then verse 11. Hmm. But the, your neighbor is still with me or is thinking about the chicken he's going to eat after this. Are you still here or you, you think about the chicken? Verse 11, then Lot chose for, himself, chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other. Sad. Already there, there's sadness. You are separating from somebody who picked you when your father died, raised you. The reason why you are even rich is because of your connection to him. The reason why you have servants is because you're connected to him. And now you have the audacity to separate. What's wrong with you, Lord? You can have so much more if you can just maintain your connection to Abraham. That's why I don't believe in separation. Separations are terrible. 
Did you hear what I said? Separations are terrible. People separating. I'm going. I'm leaving. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to be part of your life anymore. Those things are not good. Tell your neighbor, those things are not good. Tell them again, those things are not good. Your neighbor is not listening to what you're saying. Tell them again, those things are not good. Separation. Those things are not good. You know, Bishop Doug was giving a story of a man who... Anyway, let me not give you that story. Verse, verse, verse 12. So, so you're thinking about the chicken too much, so I'll not give you that story. Let's go back to the scripture. Verse 12. So, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. Look, Lot has gone this side. Very sad. Very sad. You guys, do you know who Abraham is? You guys know who Abraham is. A man in the Old Testament who has an encounter with God. An encounter that even some of us who are New Testament preachers have never had. God appears to you and he says, leave your house, leave your country, leave your brother. To the land I'll show you and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. Hey, that is not a person you separate from. And the guy becomes so rich in silver, in gold, in cattle. That is not a man you leave. There are people I can suggest to you that you can leave. <laughs> can I suggest to you the people you should leave? Number one is Jezebel. Number two is Judas. Number three is Absalom. I can go on and on and on. And, but Abraham, that is not a man you leave. That is your destiny connector. That's not a man you leave. But Lord, he's happy. He's going to the plains of Jordan that are overlooking Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's so happy. Oh, finally, I'm independent. Finally, I'm my own man. I have my own land. I'm free. Delivered. Set free. Nobody will be telling me what to do. I'll be the one telling people what to do. And Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far. Look. He pitched his tent and stretched his tent. Pastor Daido. He's stretching his tent up as far as Sodom. Lord, Sukona jokes. I used to drink, but you still go to the bar. To drink what? Alvaro. <laughs> and then what happened, verse 13? Please, I am still on course. Don't think I've forgotten my message. But the men of Sodom, look, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinful against the Lord. The same Lord that was speaking to his surrogate father. He goes and lives with people who hated that Lord. He's the one who chose this temptation. And be because of his decision, he lost his wife. Because of his decision, his daughters were almost being raped 
And he was even willing to give them to the rapists. That is how the culture of Sodom had infiltrated him so much that he was willing to give rapists a chance to rape his own daughters. What kind of a father is that? He chose this temptation and it came after him. Hmm. That's number one. Number two, how does temptation come to us? It comes to us, number one, by our own choosing. Number two, it comes to us because of our fallen nature. We are carrying around a fallen nature. This, 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 this body is fallen. There's a lot of inclinations that are not godly. Your body is a good conductor of temptation. You see, metal is a good conductor of electricity, isn't it? Or water is a good conductor of electricity. If current is flowing on electrical wires and your hands are wet and you touch it, you'll be electrocuted. Isn't it? That's why you hear stories of people who die in their bathrooms. Yeah, because they didn't fix that heater well. Got mixed up with the water. So as the guy was showering, he got electrocuted. He was powered by 240 volts. How do you survive? The heart cannot handle that kind of power. So your body also is a good conductor of temptation. That's why the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 14 to 15, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So temptation will come by your own choosing. You took yourself there. Then you blame the devil. Two, it will come when you are enticed by your own desires. And that's why you must be consecrated. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is a very encouraging verse of scripture. Can we read it? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. The Bible says, there is no temptation that has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. That even in the midst of temptation, God is faithful. Whoo, glory to God. God is faithful. Whether you took yourself there or not, look at even Lord. God was so faithful that he even decided, let me save this guy. Send angels. Told him, leave. Take your wife. Take your daughters. Leave. Tell anybody God is faithful. Give somebody a high five. Tell them God is faithful. Oh yes, even in the midst of temptation, I want you to know that God is still faithful. He's still faithful. Who will not allow? He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. God knows your temperature. <laughs> if your temperature is 95, he knows. He will make sure that he does not go to 96 because if it gets to 96, he knows you will melt. He is faithful. So when you see temptation, I want you to know that you can handle it. Tell your neighbor, you can handle it. Oh, pastor, you don't understand my temptation. It is so hot. If it came to you, you'll be dead today. That's why it didn't come to me. Because God knows I cannot handle it. It came to you. Because God knows you can. Yes. So tell your neighbor, handle it, handle it, deal with it. Yes, deal with it. You can handle it. You have everything it takes to handle it. Why? Because God is faithful. Hmm, pastor, 
you don't know my wife. Pastor, you don't know my husband. That's why she's not my wife. And that's why he's not my husband. He is your husband. She is your wife. Do what? Handle it. Look at your neighbor straight in the eye and tell them, handle it. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. Glory to God. I say God is faithful. You can handle that drug problem. You can deal with it. You can handle that sexual problem. Yes, you can. It's very quiet, but I'll preach anyway. You can handle that lying problem. You can handle that stealing problem. Because God will never allow anything that he knows. You have no ability to deal with. Then look at what he says. But with every temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I decree, may you locate that way of escape for every temptation you face. May you escape in the name of Jesus. I prophesy you shall escape in Jesus' name. The temptation will not kill you. It will not destroy you. It will not destroy your marriage. It will not destroy your dream. It will not destroy your calling. It will not destroy your potential. It will not destroy your family. You shall escape in the name of Jesus. Can escapees shout a louder amen in this house? You will escape in Jesus' name. Even this Christmas, may you escape. Every temptation coming your way, may you escape it. Before we close the year, may you escape it. May it never bring you down in the name of Jesus. Shout a louder amen in this house. Give somebody a high five and tell them, you shall escape. That's why you need to be consecrated. Why? Because you might not do it physically, but you find yourself doing it mentally. Jesus made it even more difficult, Pastor Zay. You said if you look at a woman and you say this one if I remove the skirt what am I left with? I remove the top what am I left with? Nifungwe sindilia inaito sindilia what do you call it? You see they are pretending they don't know what it is the brothers are saying, yo, 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 which one? <laughs> Jesus said, you have already done it. You have already done it. There's a video I've been seeing on social media. I don't know if you've been seeing it. The, the, the cucumber prank. Anyway, let, let's just move on swiftly because it, it looks like I'm preaching to myself. So, let, let's just go to scriptures. Joshua, Joshua chapter 3. <laughs> Please don't explain to your neighbor. Let's, let's move on. We are, in, we are in Joshua. Joshua chapter 3. Amen. I am sure a man like Harry has not seen it. So, it's okay. Jo, jo, Joshua chapter 3. Joshua, give me Joshua. My goodness, may you escape temptations. Ladies, may you escape temptations in the name of Jesus. Gentlemen, may you escape temptations in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for them. 
whatever temptation was meant to destroy them and bring them down. I pray that may they escape it in Jesus' name. Shout a louder, amen. Joshua chapter 3. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. Verse 2. Quickly. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. Verse 3. And they commanded the people saying, when you see when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. When you see the presence of God, follow it. Uh-huh. Verse 4. Yet there shall be a space. Then God tells them, as you are following the presence of God, also make sure that you honor the presence of God. Don't be familiar with the presence of God. Put a distance between you and the presence of God. Put a distance between you and Emmanuel. God with us. Respect the presence of God. Honor the presence of God. Don't be too familiar with the presence of God. Honor the presence of God. So there should be some respect. Shall be space between you and it. About 2,000 cubits of measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, do what? So if you are going to see the presence of God, experience the presence of God, Joshua is telling them, look, God has already promised that tomorrow this presence is going to be with us. But there is a condition. He tells them, sanctify yourselves. Make yourself clean. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourself. Consecrate yourself. Because tomorrow, the presence of God will show up. And when God shows up, he's going to do wonders in your lives. Before this year is over, may you see the wonders of God. As you consecrate your life, may you see the wonders of God. May you see the miracles and signs and wonders that God has ordained for you in the year 2022. May you see the wonders of God. I prophesy the miraculous. I prophesy signs and wonders. I prophesy greatness and increase. I prophesy goodness and mercies. I prophesy healings. I prophesy financial miracles. May you see the wonders of God in your life because of sanctification. Shout a louder, amen. Can we give him a mighty hand of, of praise in this house? Number four, the last one. You, you, you can stand. You don't have to sit. You can write it. Number four is seeking God in prayer. Seeking God in prayer. I wish we had, we had time. But you can read 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 2. Let's just read it. It's no harm. 2 Chronicles. Seeking God in prayer. Prayer attracts the presence of God. Prayer brings down the presence of God. Tell your neighbor, I believe in prayer. When we become prayerful, the presence of God will fill this church. Problem is that the prayer meetings are the least attended meetings in every church. But one of the things God has spoken to me concerning this coming year, we're going to pray like never before. 
By the way, get ready. We are having fasting and prayer. 21 days of fasting and prayer in January. Praying. You're praying. And I'll show you from this scripture how powerful prayer is. We're going to pray. I thought you'd clap your hands for 21 days of prayer and fasting. Wow. Some of you, are st- you you've begun being concerned. You are, you are, you're making calculations. Will I survive? Tell your neighbor you will survive in Jesus' name. 21 days we'll be in the presence of God. And for those three Saturdays, we'll be here praying for 10 hours nonstop. We want to begin 2023 with the presence of God. Give me a second Chronicles. Where is it? Second Chronicles. Alright, let's read together. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. Keep going. Keep moving quickly because we're just reading it. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and put, cut down the wooden images. He's bringing revival. Standing people to God. This is consecration as well. Then he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. What a king. Verse 5. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah and the kingdom was quiet under him. Do you know what that means? There was no war against his kingdom because he sought the Lord. The presence of God protected him from all his enemies and they could not be able to fight him. That's why he experienced a lot of peace and tranquility. You see, when the presence of God comes, there are some wars you've been fighting. You will not fight them. God will fight them for you. You will not even know that there was war that was coming against you because God dealt with it 100 meters away from you. I wish I had a witness here. And the guy enjoyed peace. But let's continue reading and see. Verse 6. And because of peace, he prospered. He built. You see, if you're not spending money in the military, the money can build roads. The money can build schools. The money can build hospitals. So because there was a lot of money, he's not fighting. The soldiers are just idle. He channeled the money into building the nation. He built fortified cities in Judah. Verse 6. For the land had rest. He had no war in those days because the Lord had given him rest. May God give somebody rest here. From all your labors, from all your stresses, may God give you. You're not receiving what I'm saying. I say may God give you rest in the name of Jesus. May the presence of God introduce rest in your life, rest in your family, rest in your marriage. May you rest from all your labors. Shout louder, amen. And then look at verse 7. Therefore he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make walls around them. He's even now looking for something to do. Because he realizes, hey, I can be idle. I'm not fighting. Let's do something. Let's build our cities. 2023, we are building. I say 2023, we are building a sanctuary. Because the presence of God will be with us. We shall build in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. 
Therefore he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers and gates and bars. These are no bars for drinking. These are fortified erections. While the land is yet before us. No comment. Because we have sought the Lord our God. Look at that, Pastor Daido. This is powerful. Because, you see, he says we are building because we have sought. We have sought him. And he has given us rest on every side. The reason why you have stress is because your prayer life has gone down. You are stressed about your wife. You are stressed about your husband. You are stressed about your children. You are stressed about your future. You are stressed about your own life. You are stressed about your own health. You are stressed about your own business. You are stressed about your own future. You are just surrounded with stress. Check your prayer life. It has gone down. Our teenagers are stressed because they are not prayerful. Father and stress. Father and stress. They are not prayerful. Drag them into a place of prayer and their stress will disappear. Elsa is telling us here because we sought the Lord. Because we sought, look, because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. The stress of marriage is dealt with at the place of prayer. Who will marry me? I'm now 39. Who will marry me? I'm now 30. Go and pray. That stress will be dealt with. I'm preaching better than your responses anyway. Sought him. And they built. And they prospered. They built. And they prospered. They built this year, this coming year. I'm already in 2023, by the way. May you prosper. May you build and prosper. As the presence of God dwells in your house, may you build and prosper. Shout a louder amen in this house. Give somebody high ten and tell them, I will build and I will prosper. Hey. Verse 8. Are we still together? And Asa had an army of 3,000. An army of three, 300,000. Please, not that number. 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears. And from Benjamin, 200 men who carried shields and drew bows all these were mighty men of us. So, what is the number so far? Huh? Please, talk to me. 580,000 soldiers. Verse 9. And Zira the Ethiopian hmm, came out against them with an army of so an army of a million is coming to fight 
an army of? So Asa has a deficit of how many soldiers? Sarah, you're not talking. Eh? <laughs> 420,000 soldiers. Those are not few people. He is already outnumbered. And this guy had 300. Elsa doesn't have chariots. And he came to Marashia. So Elsa went out against him. And they said the troops in the battle array in the valley of Zephantha at Marisha. 580 against 1 million with chariots. Look at the next verse. Alex, I'm teaching you a secret here. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us. Do you know what he was telling God? God, you don't need our help. Whether we are few or many, it does not make a difference. It does not make a difference for, because I know you. You can even fight without us. So whether we are many or few, it does not make a difference. Oh Lord, our God. Then he says, for we rest. <laughs> this is somebody that is supposed to be stressed. He's outnumbered. But he said, oh Lord, we rest on you. And in your name, we go against this multitude. Oh Lord. He begins to praise God. Oh Lord, you are God. Do not let man. Now he turns the battle. He says, do not let man prevail against you. He removes himself from the equation. He says, this, this battle is not mine anymore. And God, don't let anyone defeat you. Verse 12. And so, see, I told you, when you begin to praise God, what does he do? He flexes his muscles. And so the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah. And the Ethiopians fled. I want you to read the whole story and see how they followed them and took over their cities and everything. But what I want you to see, when Asa prayed, God himself showed up. He was outnumbered, outmatched, outmaneuvered. Because this guy came with chariots. But when he brought God into the equation, when he brought the presence of God into the battlefield, he was able to defeat his enemies. Jump to chapter 15 and see what happens. So he has defeated all his enemies. Now he's coming back with spoils. Hmm? Chapter 15. Move the next chapter. Chapter 15. Verse 1. Verse 1. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. I'm wondering why you, you people are not giving your children Bible names. 
or dead? Answer. And this prophet, he went out to meet Asa when he's coming back from war. And he said to him, hear me, Asa, and all, the Judah and, Benja and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. When you seek him, he will be with you. When you pray, his presence will be with you. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Look at verse 2. Verse 3 rather. Hmm. For a long time, Israel had been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. Verse 4. But when in their trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. Do you know what this prophet is saying? He's saying, look, if you can seek God, you will always deal, uh, you will always live in his presence. His presence will always be with you. Praise the Lord. I, I want you to make it a point not to miss prayer meetings. Because when you meet prayer, when you miss prayer meetings, something else invades your life. Stress. Ethiopians. Tell your neighbor, Ethiopians. Tell them again, Ethiopians. 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 Ethiopians will come and surround you and besiege you because you're not a prayerful person. But the moment you pray, the presence of God comes down. And the battle that you're supposed to fight, God takes over. And he fights for you. May God fight for you as you pray. Hallelujah. Why don't you lift your hands for a minute and lift up your voice and pray for a minute. Pray for anything. Pray for your life. Pray for your children. Pray for your destiny. Pray for your business. Pray for your 2023. Pray, pray, pray for a minute. Invite God in your life. Invite God in your house. Invite God in your situation. Be like Asa. Seek the Lord right now. Yes. Oh, yes, Lord. We invite you. We invite your presence. We invite your glory. We invite your spirit. Come down, Lord. Let your presence invade this place. As we pray. As we raise our voice in prayer. Oh, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Tunapoma asikia ma 
yupo Mungu binguni asikia hema ombi Yesu yupo Mungu ajibu hema ombi Yesu tunapomba tunapomba asikia anajibu tunapomba Lift up your hand if you have a need. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every need in the house. You are a miracle worker. As you answered Asa, I pray that may you answer us. Father, there is someone here who is sick. I pray for healing. There is someone who has a disturbing situation, a nagging situation, a difficult situation. I pray, stretch your hand and make a way where there is no way. Someone that is broken and hopeless, give them hope in the name of Jesus. There's someone here, oh Lord, who need an answer to a question in their hearts. Grant the answer in the name of Jesus. You are Emmanuel, God with us. Your presence is here. And where your presence is, your spirit dwells in that place. And where your spirit is, there is liberty. Set your people free from disease, from sickness, from challenges. Deliver them from Ethiopians. Deliver them from Ethiopians. Deliver them from Ethiopians in the name of Jesus. All these men that have besieged them, all these issues that have besieged them, all these forces that have besieged them, I pray that may you deliver them today. Because you're a mighty God. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give him some praise? Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.